Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, sponsored by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta, and I'm fortunate enough to be your host this evening. And tonight, we're going to be talking to many panel members who are going to give all of us some helpful advice to discuss different ways that we could date and meet other people despite having low vision. And another bit of good news is that this particular program is now going to be aired on ACB Radio each week. And for those of you who are not familiar with ACB Radio, ACB Radio is a free radio program where people with low vision can come and listen to a variety of different shows. And our particular show is going to be aired on Friday evenings. And it will begin to be aired at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And the way that you could listen to ACB Radio is you simply go to www.acbradio.org. Again, that's www.acbradio.org. And there will be a link there that has what's called Mainstream. And from mainstream, you can then select our program, and you could then go ahead and listen to it. But there's also many of you I know who use cell phones or you're using the iPhone or a Mac computer. And we have Tom on the line here with us who's going to also tell you how you could download a quick application either to your Macintosh computer or to your iPhone, and it will be a quick way for you to get to the show. Welcome, Tom. Oh, thank you, Dr. Bill. Uh, One of the easiest ways to do is just go to acb.org or acbradio.org and follow the links. And there are several links on there, uh, depending on how fast your stream is or whatever, for a Windows media player or Macintosh or whatever. And they have good programs that you just click on the link and it will download to your computer with instructions. There, So on my Mac, I now have an icon there, and then whenever I want to read or listen to ACB radio, I just click on it. And the nice thing about the app is that it can go through mainstream, uh, the old-time radio show, uh, some of the talk. So the four channels, I don't know if they're up to five now, at least four channels at ACB Radio, you can switch from channel to channel. That makes it a lot easier than having to try to go to the website each time. And there's a program available for both the Mac and the PC. Well, that's fantastic. And that's a free application program that they could download, right? Absolutely free. Great. Well, thank you for that bit of advice. Well, right now we're going to go ahead and introduce you to a lot of our panel speakers here. And these are all folks who are going to be able to tell us their experiences and give us some recommendation here about dating and other people despite having low vision. And first of all, I'd like to introduce to you our president of CCLVI, Mr. Richard Retta. Hi, good evening, and thank you, Dr. Bill, for having me on the show, and thank you for hosting it. And I'm happy to participate and provide back any information that I can. Yes, well, we always know how the president of any organization is a popular one, so we're all going to be listening intensely to what you have to say. Uh, Would you mind just real briefly telling us just a bit about you for some of you who are listening to us on ABC Mainstream Radio that may not know all of us personally, but maybe what you do if you are or are not employed, if you're married or if you're dating or you're looking and, and so on? Um, yes, so I have been president of CCLVI for two years, a member of ACB since the late 90s, and uh, as well as California. I, I live in Northern California. I work for a nonprofit organization uh, known as the Junior Blind of America. We are opening an office in Oakland, and I am director of transition services working with high school uh, young, and young adults who are blind and low vision doing career readiness programming. And um, when I'm not at work, I'm often socializing and visiting with my friends. Uh, I am not married, and um, I'm a workaholic, and I like to play goalball. I like to swim. I like to hike. I like to read. And um, believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. Even though I do public speaking like this, I, I really like to just 
have my weekend to have a digital detox and just, um, you know, hang out and try not to be entwined on the Internet too often. Sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not. But that's a little bit about myself. Well, that's great. That's great. And I would have never called you an introvert, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, next we have Mary Lou. Mary Lou, are you there? I'm Mary Lou Baracco. Um I've been a member for from uh, for AFCB since 1988. Uh, right now, I'm in between jobs. I was in food service management, and uh, I'm married uh, from for it'll be 23 years. And uh, that's about it for now. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And how about your husband or yourself? Are my either husband, or both of you visually impaired? My husband is totally blind. He is the consulting psychologist for the VA in West L.A. Where he's about, been there for over 35 years. Oh, that's wonderful. And about yourself, Mary Lou, how about your vision? Are you partially sighted or totally yeah. sighted? No, I'm part. I have low vision, partially sighted. Uh, the way mine worked is, um, I was born with congenital cataracts. They removed them. That would have been okay. But then, when I was four, I got meningitis. And what people don't realize is that you can either lose your hearing or your vision, and that happened. But then, with all the medication, they had to use um, they had to use um, penicillin, and then I got glaucoma, and. At that time, in college, I started getting the headaches and so forth, and uh, what ended up happening was I thought, oh, my God, I'm getting some kind of brain tumor, and found out, oh, I found out, no, it's glaucoma. And I told my parents, and I said, well, I'm not going to die, because I had a good friend who had died, and I said, well, at least I'm not going to die. And my mom was like, oh, my God, she's going to go blind. And I said, no, don't worry about that. I'm not going to go blind. It's It's okay. And she was just beside herself with that. And then I learned later on, um, recently I had some problem with my vision where my left eye started. I noticed I had some, I noticed my left eye, I was going, I noticed like gray. And then I found out that I had a retinal bleed and I have macular, I have myopic macular degeneration in the eye, and I've been getting Avastin treatments. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're getting those treatments. Those are very, very helpful. And uh, how about uh, Don? Don and Jason from uh, Northern California. Are are both of you there? Yes, we are. Hi there. Well, Don, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, and whether you are visually impaired or partially sighted. Go ahead, Don. Hi, my name is Dawn Nixon, used to be Dawn Talby. I came up to Northern California a couple years ago, um, just learning um, about all this um, low vision and blind world and where I met my husband, Jason. And and tell us about your vision there, Dawn. Do you have any vision? Yes, I'm, I'm not sure if, I guess I'm considered low vision still. Um, I guess I'm considered um, totally blind, but yet I still have some sight. So I have retinitis pigmented. Oh, great. And Jason, how about yourself? Tell us about yourself, Jason. Um, yeah, uh, I'm originally from the uh, Solano County near Sacramento or Davis, um, whichever one people know better. Uh, I actually have colobomas, um, specifically morning glory syndrome. It is a condition that I was actually born with. Um, I moved to the Bay Area, um, San Francisco Bay Area, about five years ago. Met Don uh, about three years ago, and we've been married for um, almost two years now, uh, in August. Well, congratulations. That's really wonderful. And uh, so both of you met while you were at a training program in Northern California? Actually, um, I uh, left the program. Um, then Don went in a short time later. Um, I was actually there visiting a friend, and Don was in the same location. And that's how we met. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And next we have uh, Christopher, also known as Big Cosmo, uh, Cosmo Moore, and his wife Heidi. How are both of you? We're great. Excellent. 
Great. Well, Cosmo, why don't you begin and just tell us a bit about yourself, if you're working and your level of vision? I am uh, partially sighted. My vision's 2200. Um, you diagnosed me, actually, back in third grade. Um, <laughs> I have bilateral optic atrophy, and um, I do work. I Nothing full-time, but I coach football at a middle school, and I work security at a bar and uh, substitute teach at that same school and uh, just trying to get enough hours to get by. Well, great. You know, and uh, I'm really proud of you. I've known you for many years, and you're just a person who's so hardworking and really proud of you, Cosmo. Thanks. And Heidi, the greatest Hi. thing that ever came into the life of Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Um, well, I just finished my teaching credential, so I have my California preliminary teaching credential after about three and a half years of working full-time and going to school at night for it. Congratulations. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm currently looking for a teaching job, and they're, it's uh, slim pickings right now in California and pretty much around the country. So. Great. And uh, can you tell us a bit about your vision? Are you visually impaired or blind? Uh, I am not. I do wear glasses. Um, I can't remember exactly what my glasses prescription is, but I have an astigmatism. It's all correctable. I wear contacts and glasses. Oh, that's wonderful. So you have perfect vision, and you're able to see things quite well, and that's really, really a, a very, very nice blessing to have that type of vision. So congratulations. Yes. Thank well, you. <laughs> you know, I think everybody who's on this call tonight, we all have that same thought. You know, how do I meet a person? I think that most of us would like to meet another person in our lives. Uh, many times we would like a person just to be a partner and date. Other times we would like someone to be married to and things. So one of the most common questions that I do receive from my patients, whether they are high school students, college students, or adults, or even adults who are senior citizens, is they often have this question about how do people who are visually impaired or blind, how do they meet other people and how do they date? One of the things that many, many men will often tell me is that they are under the impression that no woman would ever want to marry a blind guy. And I hear the same thing from the women. They say, no guy would ever want to marry me. I can't see well. They won't even want to ask me out. And as I give them encouragement and let them know that there are many people who are fully sighted that do date people who are visually impaired, and there's also many people who are visually impaired who also meet and marry or date other people who are low vision. So the reality of it is that as long as that you are interested and willing to go out on dates, you can go out on dates. So I'm going to start out with you, uh, Richard. Uh, what kind of advice can you share with us? I know that you work with a lot of young folks, and a lot of these high school students have the same concern. What kinds of things do you give them as advice, and what have you learned through yourself personally? Because I know that you had low vision even as a child as well. Um, that's correct, and I had I am still low vision. I have less vision uh, now as an adult. What I tell people, I mean, really, it, it's not a matter of so much vision at first. It's just a matter of how, when you meet people in a social setting, whether it's to be intimate or just to be, make friends, it's just to be yourself, um, to let people know, you know, up front, if you do have a visual disability, what's going on about it? So if it's not apparent, especially if you're not a cane user, people often don't know. And it might be a social setting where lighting may be a factor, so you can't tell right away. So, um, it's, you know, just so there's no surprises later and people don't um, assume that you can see more or less and often dispelling, you know, just because you have some vision loss doesn't mean you're completely blind. So just having a really frank conversation, but in a, in a graceful, tactful way that's engaging and endearing and 
more often than not, people are going to be warm and receptive to that if it's approached in the, in the right uh, manner. Now, what about for yourself, Richard, when you were a high school kid out there? Did you feel that you could not date a person who had normal vision? Um, did you did you try to stay around other students who are visually impaired, or did you typically hang out and ask out all the girls at school? <laughs> I don't know. Like I said earlier, the introvert in me really didn't allow me to engage with much, you know, out of my circle of friends that I had, um, of which some were um, low vision and some were not. And I really didn't do the dating thing until I was in college. And that's when I really realized when I knew when I could hit the switch where I could be more in the public persona versus my introvert. And it's hard. It's hard approaching people. It, it was harder approaching people when I was younger, when I didn't realize this, and, and you know, getting out of your comfort zone and just starting to talk to people in different social settings. It was very awkward for me in high school, uh, frankly, and as I got more, um, you know, experience in being in the world and traveling, traveling helped me really open up and engage, working at summer camps, working with uh, camp counselors and counselors who were from other countries and getting a, a really diverse perspective on how people socialize, interact, and date. And again, it was less of the visual thing, more of just me becoming comfortable with who I am. And I think that's what I tell young people. Be, you know, be comfortable with who you are. Let it come to you naturally, and, and the rest will fix itself, whether you're, you have a, a vision uh, disability or not. You know, I think that's really great advice, to really be yourself. And I know that for myself when I was in high school, I was the shortest guy in the entire high school. <laughs> At that time when I was in high school, I was five foot one. I was one of the only few Asian guys in the entire school, and I wore glasses. I had perfect 20-20 eyesight with glasses, but I still had to wear glasses. And my nickname was Poindexter. They all called me Poindexter. <laughs> <laughs> and I had such such problems, I thought. There would never be any girl who would ever go out with a little guy like me, and no girl wants to go out with a poindexter. And I had such low self-esteem that I, I avoided girls. I, I didn't even want to get near them. And as I then got into college, there was a situation where there was a girl who I had heard like me, and I said, well, gosh, if she likes me, hey, that's half the battle. Let me let me go and meet her. And I tried to be everything that I was not. I tried so hard to be cool. You know, this was the era of Saturday Night Fever, and I had the disco outfit and the <laughs> And that was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare of a situation. I was trying to be romantic. I bought flowers. I bought candy for the mother. I did all the things that I saw on television. And I tried to speak the way people spoke on TV. I tried to be cool and uh, even had that shirt, you know, halfway unbuttoned. And it was not me, and it did not work out. But the way that I met my wife right now is that we happened to be trying to set up another couple who were on a blind date, and we went just to try to keep them company. And because I didn't think of anything at all, I just happened to be myself she wasn't thinking of anything at all, and she was herself, and uh, we ended up getting married. So I think that's really good advice, just to be yourself, you know. <laughs> no Cosmo. Yes, no Cosmo. Um, you know, I've known you since you were a young, a young little boy. And uh, for those of you who have never met Cosmo, Cosmo, I believe, is about six foot nine. That's right. Two hundred and eighty pounds or so. Oh, I wish. Now I'm a little bit more than that, but. <laughs> well, that see, served you right to be a bouncer and a football coach, you know. <laughs> but as a as a child, when I met you, in many ways, I recall you as being shy. You, Very shy. You were not overly, you know, aggressive, even though you were big. Uh, I know you loved sports and playing baseball, but. I remember one time your dad said, you know, gosh, I hope one day my son Cosmo, he meets a nice girl and gets married. And that sort of told me back in your dad's mind, I think he was also sort of wondering, will my son get married because if he's got low vision? 
So my question to you is, uh, when did you start to ask out girls? I know you weren't doing that in elementary school. Um, but or high school. No, uh, I I was real shy and uh, didn't really ask anybody out uh, during high school. Um, I had um, interest, but just uh, always seemed to be in the friend zone and uh, dated uh, three, four girls during college before I met my current wife, Heidi. Current wife. You all. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, they all lasted, uh, the dating lasted maybe a month tops. Um, just didn't find anybody that I really meshed with. And I knew within a month of dating Heidi that I wanted to marry her and that she was the one for me and that I was a lucky guy. So, <laughs> and we've been Great. together now six years and married for two years. Well, what was what's your bit of advice in terms of telling all the other gentlemen out there who may not have that type of confidence <laughs> to ask someone out because of the vision problem? What what advice do you have? Do you tell them to just go out there and ask these girls out, or what, what's your advice? Well, that's <laughs> um, I got lucky with Heidi. Um, we met through a coworker at uh, my place of work, the Hollywood Bowl. And she set us up on a date, and we couldn't find her a a guy to go with. So it was just the three of us, and Heidi's glasses were uh, missing, so she was blind, too, for the night. So our friend had to drive us around and be our chauffeur for the night. Um, So that broke the ice with Heidi right away. As soon as I got in the car, our friend Stephanie goes, Heidi's as blind as you tonight. And so that uh, the whole car ride to our date we explained each other's vision. So that took care of that. Um, in my previous dating experience, though, I I would never tell a girl up front. I would just, it, when it came to actually putting a date together, I'd say, well, do you mind driving? I don't have a car at the moment. And then if it got any further and we went on a date, then I would explain it. But um, I really think we, as people with low vision or blind, um, overestimate the negative reaction that some people might have. I think that um, we make it, because we live with it, a bigger deal, but I I don't think any um, prospective daters that we would be interested in would really turn us down because of that. I think we'd uh, get a fair shot if we just put it out there. Well, that's great. That is really, really great advice, too. And so you have always found it to be the best policy to let people that you were dating know right away that you had a vision problem? Not right away, uh, but on the first, yeah, on the first date, um, it's going to come up um, when they see me trying to read a menu or if we go to a place where the menu's up on a wall, I can't read that, so I'd have to ask them. So, um, you know, when I was in college, I wouldn't tell if I was going to ask a girl out in my class, I wouldn't tell her while we're in class about my vision um, it's always been a difficult uh, thing for me to figure out when to tell somebody about my vision because you can't tell unless I'm missing your facial cues or your body language or if I'm trying to read something. You cannot tell them low vision. And um, But then they make the comment, wow, why are, you, why are you holding it so close to your face? Because I have to hold regular text about an inch to an inch and a half away from my eyes. And uh, then I get the fun of trying to explain it to them and they say well can't you get laser surgery no it's uncorrectable can't you wear glasses no it's uncorrectable and I think a big part of it is we have to stay patient and not be cold I mean I've had to tell the story a thousand times over my lifetime about my vision and about my name Cosmo explain explaining to people why I'm named Cosmo and talking to people about my height. So I, I have three things that I need to always tell new people. And it's, I think, important for us to not let that get under our skin and always be warm, and that'll help bring people in. Now, Heidi, how about you? The first time that your friend set the two of you up, did you have any suspicion at all that Cosmo had a vision problem? Um, yeah, actually, my... 
uh, my friend warned me about it. <laughs> she goes, oh, hey, by the way, he can't, he can't see like you or me. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, I, I don't know exactly what he, what that means, but I'm not going to turn down a date just because, you know, he can't see the same I can. So. And that is fantastic. And I think yeah. that many of us who are visually impaired or a guy like me who's really short would say, there is no girl who wants to go out with a guy who's, you know, eight inches shorter. But uh, did you always have that type of perspective that I don't care if a guy could see or not or if he can't hear well or something, I would still like to meet the person and go out on a date? Yeah, what's the harm of a first date? (laughs) You know, I mean, just be, you know... For me, our personalities meshed really well, and so we went on a second date and a third date and a fourth date. Um, the vision never really, I never really thought much about his vision until we started talking marriage. And then, you know, I had to sit and really think as a person, you know, okay, what does this mean for me? But up until then, it wasn't, you know, it was all about his personality. The fact that I had to read a menu didn't mean anything to me. And that was a scary moment for me when we were at the pub, and it was maybe a year into it, and she said, you know, I've been thinking about your vision, and uh, if I can, uh, you know, I'm going to have to be driving you around for the rest of your life, and uh, can I deal with that? And the answer is yes, and I love you, and that um, I know what this all means going into it. And so that was a scary conversation, but... uh, (laughs) Oh, God. But it's an important one. Yes. Yes, yes. And, you know, as you were dating, I'm certain, like any couple, you went through some difficult times or any two people will have disagreements on things. Mm -hmm. But were there certain things that came up, Heidi, where the two of you either disagreed on certain things or had problems, and it was because of Cosmo's vision? And how did you handle it? Oh, yeah, Cosmo just... Uh, remind me of a cleaning, cleaning the house, (laughs) Um, or cleaning dishes in particular. Um, I, you know, we don't have a dishwasher, so we wash everything by hand, and I have, you know, certain standards, and he tries very hard, but um, there's always a little bit of food left, and there's always, but it's, you know, it's, because of his vision he can't see that little piece of food stuck there he tries to feel the plate and everything but so but what we decided was i have certain i have certain standards and if i want those standards met i have to wash the dishes and he does other things around the house that um he can you know that are good (laughs) taking out the trash cleaning the bathroom stuff like that oh it's all about compromise yeah, so I guess the key to that was um, it sounds like the two of you are really able to communicate things. I mean, you you really are realistic. As you were dating, you were thinking about the fact that you may have to drive him around forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, did it ever come into your mind as you were both thinking or getting about getting married and things, did you ever have the concern, what if our child has a vision impairment? Is, is Cosmo's condition... Uh, inherited one. Uh, did that come into play, and did you do any yeah. research? Yeah, well, I, I asked him, um, and what well, it was it's determined it's congenital, right? I can't I can't remember. But I mean, if our kid has optic at- bilateral optic atrophy, then our kid has bilateral optic atrophy. It's exactly. It's just something you, it's just some, everyone has something, you know, just because you have perfect vision doesn't mean you don't have something else. That is such a great thing to tell so many people that everybody does have something. I mean, there's children who are born with severe allergies and Mm -hmm. they have to have an inhaler all the time. Or you could be a child who has a lot of mental illness where you're always anxious or you're paranoid. Mm -hmm. So when I think about these sorts of things, you know, having a vision problem is really very mild as compared to some of the other types of problems out there. Absolutely, and I, I'm. It's a pain. Uh, I get. I use a monoc. I sit about four inches away for, or four feet away from my 
60-inch television, and I still have to use a monocular to be able to read subtitles or see the TV guide, but it could be a lot worse. And um, I've been mainstreamed my whole life. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until third grade uh, by you, but um, I played high school football and um, now coach football, and so I've never let it get me down. So if my child did have it, at least he she would have a good mentor. Yes, and uh, with you, you yourself, you are so blessed in the sense that you have such great parents. Uh, as a kid, you had so many opportunities to meet, you know, professional baseball players and be down there on Dodger Stadium, and I remember all those pictures you showed me. So your yeah. life hasn't really been affected because you had vision impairment. Well, Jason, how about you and Don? you got a little bit of a different situation. I know that uh, when I first met Don, Don was so shy. She was such a cute, shy little girl. And a couple years later, she lets me know that she got married. I I almost fell off of my chair. I mean, (laughs) so, Don, why don't you start off and just tell us? I think that that was the first time that you left home was to go to San Francisco. Well, yeah, the whole losing your vision thing that for me was a big deal. And, you know, I dated where people just don't understand where you can't see. Like I went to movies with a guy and he tried to wear a light colored shirt so I could see him better. And he disappeared so I couldn't see him. I had to sit down. He had to come find me. You know, just, um, it was such a blessing to come up north where I could understand there's other people out there like you, you know. When I met Jason, it's like he was born with this vision thing where mine is constantly changing. So it's very interesting the way how people, you know, every person has a different story. And so for you, Don, you found it just to be a lot simpler to date people who had vision impairment or knew more about low vision as compared to dating people with a typical vision? They just don't. They don't seem to understand. Or um, I don't always understand what Jason goes through because he's had it all his life, but this is all new to me. And so, Jason, how did it come to be? I know that you stated that you were visiting, and uh, you were visiting a friend at the San Francisco Lighthouse. Was that it? It was actually, um, it used to be called the Living Field Center. Uh, now it's called the Hatland Center. Um, me, I actually grew up in a small town called Dixon, um, close to where Sacramento is, maybe about an hour away from there. And um, for me in high school, you know, I got rejected by girls all the time. Um, you know, maybe it was because of my vision since I was the only visually impaired um, student in the entire town, that was my defining feature. Um, I wasn't able to start dating until, you know, when I graduated and got out of the uh, small town area and went to surrounding areas where, you know, that wasn't my defining feature. Um, people get would get to know me rather than my sight, and, you know, that's, that becomes a big thing when... Uh, it's not made such a big deal out of. It just becomes, you know, a feature that you have, not your identity. And um, I moved to the Bay Area because, you know, there's good transportation here. I can get around and not ask someone to drive me or any of that, which, you know, helps for dating when the transportation is so good that even people with full sight use the transportation. But what happened, it was actually kind of a funny story. One of my friends brought one of his friends to the house. We had dinner, had a good time, drank a little bit. And when it got late, it was dark. So um, me and my friend took his friend home at the Helen Center. Um, we stayed and we and we uh, sat and at the apartment. Um, there was Dawn wearing uh, bubblegum pink at the time. You know, I took and I sat down. Um, started talking with her, and before we left, my friend, he got sick and started throwing up. He had too much to drink. 
as we were talking and as I was wooing her, there was the sound of a friend throwing up in the bathroom. <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we started uh, talking. Um, after the about the third time we talked, I asked her out to uh, uh, for a date, um, you know, a small picnic at uh, one of the San Francisco parks. So we did that, and uh, silly me, you know, I planned out everything. I tried to make it as romantic as I could. My cousin's fiance printed out a menu, so I got strawberries, a bottle of champagne and everything. And I forgot a bottle opener. And, yeah, I just felt really stupid at that time. Like, oh, man, how could I forget that? Um, but that's the same sort of thing. You actually were able to eventually be you, and she was yeah. able to see who you were really like. And that was just uh, really the beginning. Now, Mary Lou, how about yourself? I know that you've been married for 23 years. And can you tell us how you met your husband and have most of the people that you've dated or people that have asked you out or people you have asked out, are they visually impaired or fully sighted? Well, what happened with me was, um, okay, what happened with me was I first dated. I was told when I was younger, your damaged goods no one's going to ever want you. And my family had this attitude, well, like Laura, like Mary Ingalls, well, you could take care of your mom and dad when they get older. And that was the whole attitude with it. But then for a while I had to go to the School for the Blind in Ohio, but that changed because I went to the prom and I did all the regular stuff that kids did. So I knew that wasn't true. And... When I went back to high school, it was funny because the kids at school there, they said, she went to the prom, wow. You know, so it was like, hey, she did stuff that we can't do because they had this attitude. They they just tried to keep them down, and they had this like this girl went to a prom, and here no one went to the prom. None of the, you know, kids with the vision problems went to the prom, and that was unheard of. And, you know, I did this thing that no one has ever done. And uh, then when I did date, I dated this one guy who was sighted, but he had these issues, and I broke up with him because he had, I don't know, I was fixed up from a friend, and he was like, well, here, we'll give you, like, the people that we don't want to date. And it was like, no, well, if you didn't want them, you think I want them? It was like, we'll give you somebody from the trash can, but I was not interested in him. And then this guy that I was, that who had a vision problem, I didn't want him. I broke up with him, not because we had gone to a concert, but I noticed that when his sister came to pick us up, he was smacking her around. I said, Rich, if you smack her like that, what are you going to do with me? I said, you do not smack your sister. And if you're... You, you know, if you're abusing her like that, I don't want to be abused. So I'm sorry we have to end this. And I saw a lot of signs of things that were to come. And to be honest, I just took an attitude that if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I decided to go cross-country skiing in Michigan. And uh, that's how I met my husband. And uh, what ended up happening was... I had found his room keys and went to the front desk and they asked for my name and so forth. And then uh, Valentine's Day, uh, a week later, I get these flowers delivered to the house and I thought it was for my sister. And I said, why did, you know, they deliver it here? It should be to their house, my sister, to my sister. And they said, look at the card. It was for me. And I wasn't expecting anything. And then I called him and I he said, yeah. And then we started talking and then... I said, do you bowl? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, are you going to the uh, Chicago? He said, yeah, I'm going to the tournament. And I said, well, maybe we can meet. And then so then we ended up doing this long-distance, um, you know, relationship. And we ended up seeing one another at the tournament in Chicago. And then after that, we had tape recording at that time, cassette letters. And then uh, Thanksgiving came around, and uh, he says, can I come visit your family? I said, okay, but I said, there's one person you have to impress, not my parents. He goes, oh, God, I'm not good at impressing the parents. I said, it's the dog. She's a 101 <laughs> shepherd collie. If you can make it by her, 
then I think my parents will approve. And she did sleep with her. It worked out. So <laughs> that is so great. It, so yeah, then he made it by that. So the test. So they weren't sure, but then the dog. You know, he passed the dog's test. So uh, the dog liked him. So uh, they. It worked okay. And then uh, afterward, I went for about a week. No, two weeks to uh, visit L.A. And then uh, after that, I made a decision to come out and live here. And we lived together for about a year, about almost a year, and then we decided to get engaged and get married. Well, we had a little situation because, one, I was from Cleveland. He was from here. How do you figure out a wedding? We thought back. We thought, okay, maybe in Cleveland. But then we found out his mother was sick with cancer. So then we figured, okay, how are we going? Where are we going to do the wedding? Well, the only thing in common was my brother uh, is from uh, Vegas. So we figured we would do it in Las Vegas, and I was able to get married at uh, my brother and sister-in-law's church. She was a wedding hostess, so we did it there. That's wonderful. Gosh, that's that's a really such a great story. And Mary Lou, how about for you? You know, as a woman, um, was your father or was your mother or either or one of them, were they concerned that you were marrying another person who was visually impaired? Well, my mom always had a problem with it. My father had low vision. Um, he His vision... He had congenital cataracts, but they were successfully removed, and he okay. could drive and so forth. So, but Mary Lou, your father was not concerned, but your mother was a bit concerned? She had issues with, like, my daughter is leaving. I don't want her to go. And, you know, oh. it was like they had this thing that, that you know. Mary Lou, mm-hmm. uh, can, you, can you say, was your mother concerned about the fact that you were marrying a person with low vision? I think possibly my dad, I don't think my dad had a problem with it. I think your my mother, mother you I think, think mother she did. did. I think she did. And uh, my dad, you know, no, she was you said more your dad of a problem. Did. Okay. No. Thank you, Don. How about for you? You know, I'm just trying to get an idea here for some of our listeners, too. Um, were your mother or father ever concerned that you were going to marry uh, another person who was low vision? Did they have any concerns about that? I'm not sure if it was the low vision that was an issue. Um, I know as two people who are married, we get cut with Social Security. I mean, the fact that we he was Catholic and I was Christian, so we were kind of not so sure on that issue. But, I mean, it all came together. It was, we were so can you... Be, can you give our audience some advice? Uh, you did seem as though that there were some conflicts, perhaps where your parents may not have liked the fact that he didn't have the same religion or it was going to affect your financial income from Social Security. How did you and your mother and father reconcile that? Did you meet with your parents alone? Did the four of you meet together and have a discussion, or did it just seem to go away with time? Um, yes, I did have discussions with um, his parents, my parents. We went to social we went to social security with his father just because he was afraid that we were being cut. I mean, I just had to really learn to trust in the Lord with every situation in life. I just got diagnosed with diabetes. It's just you know, you just when you're meant to be with somebody, you don't let certain situations bother you. Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, how about you, Jason? Real briefly, briefly, Jason, did your parents have any concerns with you dating or going to marry a, a, a person with low vision, such as Don? Even though uh, in my family they made jokes about the uh, fight and everything, um, the philosophy there was don't let uh, things like that uh maintain how you live. They let me try many different stuff, skateboarding. Um, so they just really let you, they, they liked her and you just were able to go on. It really wasn't a, <laughs> a, a major conflict. And uh, uh, 
well, anybody who meets Don, they would understand that why. How about you, uh, Heidi? My my parents would never admit it, but I'm sure. Um, my sisters, actually. I, I come from a, fam- a large family of sisters. There are five of us all together. And all of them, at one point or another, while Cosmo and I were dating or engaged, came to me and said, are you sure? Are you really sure you want to do this? And I looked them all straight in the face and said, um, you need to trust that. I've already thought this through and that I have agreed to marry this man for a reason. So you just need to trust me and be happy for us. And that's that's really the right thing. And I think the message is really loud and clear this evening. For all of those people who have dated, they all say that the best thing to do is really to be yourself. It seems as though everybody has been very forthright with letting the other person know that they had a vision impairment. And and number three, what I have observed with every every person I know who is visually impaired and is married, these people really, really seem to really, really love each other. I think that when we see people who have normal vision, sometimes people with normal vision may be more focused on what a person looks like. But people who are visually impaired they really appreciate the other person for that type of human being uh, that they are. And real quickly, Mary Lou, just very quickly, can you tell us what you were about to tell us about your parents and how you discussed this with them? Well, what happened was I was going to live with with, uh, my husband, and I went to uh, my parents, and I said, well, I'm going to be living with my uh, with Andy, and I said, uh, you may or may not like it, but we're going to tell you first before anybody else tells you. And I said, you have the right to know, but I think it's, you know, but you have the right to know, but I want to let you know. And I went to both of them, and I told them, and he did tell his mother about it. And uh, they were, you know, they said, okay, you know, we accept it. You know, my my mother wasn't thrilled. My father said, well, I'm glad you told us, you know. And his mother was glad. She goes, well, you know, I understand that she's never lived with someone who is blind, but it's the best thing. At least you're going to do this, and you'll find out before you get married whether it's the right thing to do or not. And she goes, at least, you know, you're going to figure out if it's a good thing to do or, you know. That's really, really great. That's really, really great advice. Well, real quickly, we're about finished with the show this evening, but I want to go around quickly and just real briefly ask each of you um, some of these questions if you would answer. Richard, can you tell us what's the biggest mistake you ever did as it relates to dating? What's the biggest mistake? Oh, gosh. Where do I start? No. Um, I'd have to think about that for a second. What's the biggest mistake I've made as dating? Um, you know, probably, um, you know, being shy and bashful when I like someone and taking too long to ask someone out and then um, not having a chance. So, you know, seizing the moment is what I would, I guess, is the lesson to be learned. I, think I that's, agree. That's great. Cosmo, you too? Yes. Great. Heidi, what's the biggest mistake you ever made with dating? Marrying me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I was very picky. I actually didn't date anybody. I turned turned a bunch of people down, and then I met Cosmo, and I married him. So, actually, I I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Hey, Don, how about you? Has there ever been something that you really regretted? Uh, what's the biggest mistake you made about dating? Um, not dating like your brother's friends or a friend of a friend. I just that's not very good. <laughs> and and so you think that the biggest mistake that you have ever made was dating a brother's friend? Yeah, one of my brother's friends liked me, and he asked me out, and I knew he liked me, but it didn't work out. We didn't have anything in common. Oh, yes. And that's true, too. If you really know that there's nothing there between the two of you, it probably is better not to date, you know, right. that person. Jason, real quickly, any any big mistake that you have made with dating? Going too fast. You know, you don't want to rush things too quickly. Um, kind of from before, you don't want to take things too slowly either, but let things happen at their own place and don't try to force anything. 
I see. And Mary Lou, how about you? What's the biggest mistake that you've made uh, regarding dating? Well, I don't think mistake, but one thing I observed and what I didn't do, what I'm glad I didn't do is my sister was saying you should have had somebody who was sighted. And I saw in her relationship with her husband was he was more into how things looked. And she goes, well, you ended up with somebody who was fine because you didn't want them to see what you looked like. And I said, no. I saw with her husband, he was, at the time she was in driving, and he said, now, see, he was controlling the relationship. as like, well, see, I'm not going to drive you anywhere, and I'm not going to do this. And I just felt that I wanted to be on an equal footing with my, you know, person with the person I was with and you know okay so if the person wasn't driving fine you know I didn't care if the person happened to drive fine but I was going to be just as independent and get around and be in a bus you know yeah you didn't make the decision of who you're going to date based on whether they could drive or not yeah I think this is all just really really great advice and I think that the best advice that I could give to everyone considering Everything that I have learned throughout my life is I would agree. If you are interested in somebody or you're interested in meeting somebody, go out there and do it. Go out there and meet people. And when you go out there to meet people, you might as well be yourself because if you fake it and you're acting like somebody you're not, there's going to be a time later where that person realizes that you were a fake and the relationship won't work. And most of all, I think it's just really important to appreciate each person that we meet, whether this person becomes just a friend, it's going to be a colleague, or it might become somebody that we end up marrying. Each person we meet is extremely valuable. So I want to thank all of you for your time to share with us this information this evening. And I also just want to remind all of you, this is going to be up on the cclvi.org website, and that's at www.cclvi.org. I'd also like to thank Mr. Dick Burden at Airs LA. Airs LA is a nonprofit that records all of these different types of programs, and you could listen to this at www.airsla.org. That's www.airsla.org, where you could listen to this program and many, many magazines and other articles. And lastly, for those of you who would like to tell others to listen to this on ACB Radio, beginning this Friday evening at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, there will be these particular types of Let's Talk Low Vision programs that you can listen to on ACB Radio. And to listen to that, you simply go to www.acbradio.org and click on Mainstream Radio, and you can listen to these. So we thank all of you for listening, and we hope to see you all again next month for Let's Talk More About Low Vision. Good night, everybody.